This is Brett from Washington State, and I love a good podcast. That's why I never listen to I Doubt It with Dolomore. The following broadcast may contain free thinking and open-minded discussion, ideas, skepticism, and adult subject matter. Topics will be discussed using adult language, sometimes gratuitously. Get ready to move the conversation forward. This ain't your granddad's news and comment show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore. All right. Happy to be here. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to the show. This is I Doubt It with Dollamore, number 230. I am your host, Jesse Dollamore, and sitting across from me, happy and lucky to be alive, my lovely, unscathed co-host, Brittany Page. Well, we almost died today. <laughs> we, we should just get it out there. It, no, it's not even being silly or exaggerative. We almost got in a... in. In the most insane head-on collision due to a police chase, it's the, one of the craziest things that have ever happened. Well, I think I've lived in California for seven years, eight years, something, and I... It, it's definitely... Something. Yeah. Well, when I moved here, you always hear about the car chases and you always see them on the news. They happen all the time. These high speed car chases. Right, right. They're just a regular feature of the news, basically. It's a Los Angeles type of thing. Yeah. These dangerous going on side streets like 80 miles an hour, crazy stuff, right? Well, apparently they also happen in Orange County. Well, what happened was we're driving in our sleepy little neighborhood, which is a series of many, many, many four-way stops down the straight road. Yes. And I look down and I see cop, cop lights way down the road. And I'm like, ah, oh, must be an accident or, you know, a four-way stop. You know, people are stupid and they don't know how to work the four-way. They don't know how the system of the four-way stop works. But this is an entirely different topic. So I just figured that's what it is. We get closer and closer and closer. And the lights are coming toward us. And then I realize they're going very fast in our 30 mile an hour zone. Mm -hmm. And they are in pursuit of someone. So before Brittany knows it, they are right, right on top of us. They are, we are meeting, but Brittany isn't looking to, oh, look at the car that's getting ready, that's swi- swerving and skidding because they can't keep control of their car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so Brittany, rather than watch the action, yeah. does what I think a lot of Californians do. Mm-hmm. She turns her gaze to the sky to see if there's a helicopter. No, I wasn't seeing if there was a helicopter. I was looking at the helicopter. Oh, you were watching the helicopter. Yes, I knew, I heard it, and I was like, oh, there's a helicopter. I tried to find it with my eyes <laughs> well, and missed the accident, which is probably good for my anxiety it, Well, level. it wasn't an accident. It almost... They overcorrected and started skidding and then came back over to us... It's one, I, I don't use the word miraculous, but I'm going to just for lack of just in the colloquial sense. It is miraculous that we were not sideswiped 
at the very least. Yeah. Because I jerked the wheel over. Had there been a bicyclist or a skateboarder, they would have been, or dead. a random hobo on the street, they would have been dead. Which because, would be really sad. That, well, I mean, hobo and and bicyclist, skateboarder. Eh, okay. There's plenty to go around. This is <laughs> hateful. So anyway, yeah, super serious. <laughs> Yeah. Almost died, and yeah. there were three, maybe even four cops. Yeah, they just kept coming in hot pursuit. Yeah, of this uh, couple of dingleberries in the car, and then everyone was coming out to the streets like it was some sort of exciting NASCAR event. Well, we live in a very sleepy, a very quiet, nothing happens kind of a neighborhood. You could hear the murmur among the neighbors. Oh, oh there's something oh. happening on the road. There's a lot of <laughs> sirens. Oh, the helicopter. <laughs> So that was uh, got my blood pumping a little bit. Yeah, well, and it made me feel lucky that I I don't actually live in Los Angeles because, I mean, that's a bummer to deal with. Yeah, on any regular basis. There are YouTube videos that I've seen of people who are watching a police chase on their TV and then filming it happen on the TV, like filming their TV with the picture of the police chase. And then turn and look out their window, and the police chase goes right by their car. Oh, wow. Right by their house. <laughs> well, it's scary because I, I often see them just smashing into cars kind of haphazardly during yeah. those those pursuits. And what happens if you're a car that gets smashed? Insurance. Uh, I well, just would not want to deal with that. The weird thing about LA, it really is, it's, it is the, the entertainment value of course, it's Los Angeles, home of Hollywood, that they really amp up the entertainment value. And there are many network TV helicopters in the area. They're above the police helicopter. So you're looking down at both the helicopter from the police and the action on the street. And they've got these, uh, these anchors who are up in the helicopter, these reporters who don't miss a beat. They are good because they'll cover it for hours if it takes that long. Yeah. They'll preempt coverage. And uh, the, the guy in the helicopter, he knows his stuff. It's, it is entertaining. I guess I'm part of the problem because I do tune in when that happens. <laughs> don't you have like an app that is specific to... No, one of the local radio stations, I used to have them text me alerts every time <laughs> oh, one went live on TV. This is embarrassing. <laughs> this is real embarrassing. Yeah, it is. All right. Well, let's get on with the show. As with most shows, we did get some listener communication this week in the way of voicemails. And let's get to those before we do anything else. Here is Brandon from Georgia. Hey, Jesse and Brittany. This is Brandon from Georgia again. I'm calling about uh, your last show when you talked about how divided we've become as a country. And I have to agree, it seems like, you know, lately we're more divided than ever. And I don't think it's a recent thing. It's kind of been building for a while. Um, I think Trump is kind of the the capstone of it at this point. Um, my issue is that it feels like it's never, that that gene can't be put back in the box. You know, it feels like, you know, Trump loses this election, but who comes after him? And it feels increasingly like we're going to be looking at a, a major uprising of some kind 
you know, in the next 10 or 20 years. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that Trump's that guy, partly because, um, I haven't seen Trump really working to appeal to the militia crowd, which to me is one of the biggest red flags for that kind of, uh, for that kind of possibility. Anyway, that's, uh, that's kind of it. Um, as always, Brittany's the best part. Love the show. Brittany's the best part. Bye. Well, I, I would say, I would say this, Brandon. I do not share your pessimism, uh, especially related to an uprising. I just, that seems pretty far-fetched and doom and gloom to me. He must know a lot of Donald Trump supporters. <laughs> <laughs> well, he is in Georgia, so he likely does. I, I would say this, though. I also disagree with you that this is kind of the, the new norm. This is the regular way of things. I think once this election o- is over and Trump loses... One, it'll be a signal that his style of politics doesn't really work because it didn't deliver a general election. So I think it'll kind of be go back to the the status quo, which who knew that I would be yearning for the status quo, th- the old way of doing things. <laughs> but at this point, I really am. But I do think it'll kind of settle down and kind of level off and go back to normal once he loses. So I think you're wrong about that. All right. Because the unfavorable opinions that each party has of each other has grown steadily over the last 20 years. I think that's what the call was was um, involving was the Quinnipiac poll. Well, this is Pew Research. All right. Pew Research has... Pew, 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 pew. This isn't new, and we've talked about it, but... It's not new. Yeah. It's pew. Okay. (laughs) But over the last 20 years, these unfavorable opinions have just jumped. So, um, So Republicans who say they have a very unfavorable opinion of the Democratic Party jumped from 17% to 43% in the last 20 years. So, And this was done in 2014. And then on the Democratic side, it went from 16% to 38% of Democrats having an unfavorable view, a very unfavorable view of the Republican Party. Yeah, well, maybe. uh, Look, I don't mind. I mean, I don't like being wrong, but I certainly don't mind it. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. And only time will tell. And we wouldn't have to wait very long to find out that you and Brandon are just fucking wrong. Well, and then... (laughs) Well, you also have the problem of these ideological echo chambers, which we have yes. talked about a lot. And those have also grown over the last several years. Well, about with, with Facebook and the Internet, I think that's... Yeah, it's only yeah. going to get worse. And about 6 in 10, 63% consistent conservatives and 49% of consistent liberals say most of their close friends share their political views. I just... Let me tell you something. I don't, uh, I don't understand that. I mean, I get it. Because of the echo chamber effect, but that just doesn't describe my experience. Is that is that your experience? Um, I'm trying to think right now. I I think I think probably most of them, like over fifty percent, would be more liberal. Hmm. But I definitely do have conservative friends that I associate with. Wow. <laughs> Look at you, Miss Magnanimous. <laughs> and I think that's important. I think that's what people need. I think most of the people with whom I associate 
are more liberal, far more liberal than I am. And I, I clearly, coming from Idaho and having family uh, there, I, I have some people that are wacky conservative, too. So I run the gamut. Best of both worlds. Yes. Or worst. All right. Thanks for the call, Brandon. We appreciate it very much. Next up would be Dan in response to our brief talk about Tommy Laren. Hey, guys. It's Dan from Oceanside. Uh, just listening to your breakdown of Tommy Laren's uh, critique of the BET Awards and the Jesse Williams speech. and uh, Not only does she offer kind of the basest, lowest level, non-academic critique of a speech like that. It's it's like an opinion you're like, you know, your your vaguely racist aunt should have, you know, would have at, at, at Thanksgiving or something like that. Along with the attitude it's presented with, just the the kind of vitriol and and whatnot. Um, it must be tough for conservative media when that, well, specifically Glenn Beck and the and the Blaze, which isn't exactly, uh, you know, the major leagues. Um, when that's like the the blue chip talent they can they can get or he can afford because i put him on you know i put that show kind of on the same level as as maybe like the young turks you know like the biggest internet news show but their talent on air is you know infinitely stronger even at doing things like broadcasting i i don't know where she would have gone to school because how do you graduate from any program well the bet awards were last night and they were very black. Oh, am I allowed to say that? I mean, it's just like <laughs> no one's ever read a teleprompter worse than she does. Uh, it's it's brutal. It's not human. It like hurts. It's like like just the tonality in her voice. She's not a broadcaster. Um, and I don't know. Maybe it's everybody's racist aunt that keeps posting her stuff, but I I don't know why she has any. Uh, like sway in internet politics at all, even to the point of like Josh Feuerstein is a better like public speaker than she is. Ouch. Anyways, guys, uh, yeah, that was brutal. Uh, hopefully you don't talk about her too much more because it hurts to hear those clips. All right, love the show. Later. So Dan must think that I am a great broadcaster <laughs> because I think that we would have heard some sort of voicemail Critiquing me and my voice. You have a lovely, lovely voice, Brittany Page. Well, thank you. It is it is delectable. <laughs> scrumptious. Scrumptious. That's <laughs> uh, that scrumptious item. I would say this, though. It's not just the racist aunt, the vaguely racist aunt that's sharing this on Facebook. Call her Dan. Because... Using your theory, it's yeah. There's only a few people out there. How is she so popular? The same fucking thing could be said of Donald Trump. Who are the people who are propping him up and giving him handily delivering him the nomination for the Republican Party for President of the United States? Well, and Tommy Laren has 1.5 million likes on Facebook, eight right. of which are my friends oh, on wow. Facebook. So, and they are young people. Yeah. That like her. Well, to, to the other point about where she went to school, uh, the lovely and talented Tommy Laren went to UNLV, the University of uh, Nevada, Las Vegas, where she 
there is, if you YouTube it, just YouTube Tommy Laren, UNLV, you'll see of her when she wasn't even as good as she is now on camera, reading from a teleprompter. You know, I don't think anyone needs to see that. <laughs> Apparently, I've done way, way too much research. So since we're on the topic of the hateful and vitriol-filled Tommy Laren and her belief that Black Lives Matter is a terrible organization and there is no cause for concern. The blacks have it good in this country. They should just quit whining and let the nation heal, as she said during her rant after the halftime, the Beyonce halftime show. Well, there's been another, yet another, killing of a black man by police under questionable circumstance. Baton Rouge police officers, two white Baton Rouge police officers, Baton Rouge, Louisiana, brought down Alton Sterling in an altercation. He was resisting, apparently. Two gentlemen brought him to the ground. Used a stun gun. Used a stun gun, allegedly. There's no no hard evidence of that. And then rendered him dead after a gunshot wound to the chest, after he was subdued on the ground, a gunshot wound to the chest, and at least two in the back. He was 37 years old. 37 years old and dead. So tell me again, Miss Laren, that there's not a problem in our country with a disparity between the way police treat me as a white guy and Alton Sterling. Now, there are videos of this. Yes. Luckily. Luckily. And they are very graphic in nature and they're very difficult to watch. But I think it's important to watch it. Absolutely. Especially for people who might be skeptical, I guess I would say. And there's a whole new video that was released today, other than the one where they were videoing and then putting the phone down, and so it was dark, and then bringing it back up. There's a whole new one with new angles that is even more horrific. And one thing I noticed when I was watching the video, which is something I've seen before in these kinds of videos, is as the police officers are shooting the person that is on the ground they start yelling get on the ground as though the person isn't already on the ground and has been on the ground for quite some time so yelling get on the ground while you're shooting the person the people that can see you are not being fooled by what you're yelling that's right they're not going to be confused well actually they might be i guess that might well, be a tactic that works. The other thing that I that I see all the time is when they're like, "Don't stop resisting, stop resisting," while the guy's like unconscious. Right. There's no resistance at all, but they're screaming as though to justify what they're doing. And then it's been kind of floated around that he had a gun, and which it still very well could be the case that he had a gun in his pocket. And in the video, we don't know yet. In the video, after he was shot and he was dead, 
you can see in the second video, it's a different angle. You can see the police officer take something out of the man's pocket. You can clearly see it. And I don't know if it's a gun. I don't know if it's a cell phone. I don't know what it is. They haven't confirmed that. But whatever it was, was lodged in his pocket. It was not removed from the pocket. Yeah, that's right. Well, the Louisiana governor, a Democrat, came out and gave a statement. And he seems as concerned as Brittany Page and myself. So concerned, in fact, that he is enlisting the help of the federal government to overtake this investigation and get to the bottom of exactly what went down. I want to announce that the lead agency conducting the investigation in this matter will be the United States Department of Justice Civil Rights Division. They will be assisted by the Middle District of Louisiana U.S. Attorney's Office and the FBI. I've also tasked Colonel Mike Edmondson and the state police to assist them as necessary uh, and as they call upon the state police uh, to help them throughout this investigation. I have full confidence that this matter will be investigated thoroughly, impartially, and professionally. And I will demand that that's the way it's conducted. And I know that the people of Louisiana will join me in doing so. And I will say that based on the information that I have obtained from law enforcement, but certainly the footage that I observed of the video that was made available, I have very serious concerns. Uh, The video is disturbing, to say the least. And here's the deal. This could all shake out. These cops could be right. There are a lot of troubling aspects to this, just like the governor just said. What bothers me a lot about these very questionable cases is, and again, it goes to a hiring practice by these particular municipalities. It needs to be drilled into these cops' heads that you're dealing with citizens. These are real people. You're affecting real lives. People with families. And on that note... The wife of the children of Alton Sterling gave a statement in which his 15-year-old son broke down and had to be kind of led away because he just he just couldn't be there. The individuals involved in his murder took away a man with children who depended upon their daddy on a daily basis. My son is not the youngest. He is the oldest of his siblings. He is 15 years old. He had to watch this as this was put all over the outlet. And everything that was possible to be shown As some may know, Alton sold CDs and was doing just that, not bothering anyone, and had the consent of the store owners as well. And then the events that recorded during the two officers. Now, if we could reflect on the measure of a man, it should not be judged on his past. But most scientific marks 
that a man left his life and what he left on lives of his children. As this video has been shared across the world, you will see with your own eyes how he was handled unjustly and killed without regard for the lives that he helped raise. So it's very sad. There are other very troubling aspects of this case that are just coming out now in the first few hours. Some of that being that, well, it goes back to what Brittany and I have been saying for a long time, that it, without the technological advancement of everyone having a video recorder in their goddamn pocket, the cops would have been able to just say whatever they wanted to say, and we would have to take them at their word. Mm-hmm. The good thing in this case is that the officers were both, both of them were wearing body cameras. So the issue should be laid to rest. We'll be able to see exactly what took place. Well, not only that, see, body cameras do solve all of the problems. Except when, uh-oh, not just one of their body cameras failed and fell off so it didn't capture anything. Oh. Not just one of them. Both of them. Mm. How convenient. How interesting. And while that might be the case, it certainly is terrible optics. What bad luck for the cops that both of their fail-safe, this is going to keep cops honest, both of them didn't end up working. Call joining me now, Mark Claxton, director of the Black Law Enforcement Alliance. He spent more than 20 years with the New York City Police Department. Mark, thank you for your time. Thank you, Tamara. So here we have a situation, at least the early reporting from the family's attorney. The officers were wearing body cameras, but the body camera may have dislodged. Something happened where that video may not be available. You know, that is the whole point of these body cameras, to be able to give some insight, better insight, into these incidents. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it is uh, somewhat troubling, uh, but you have to realize that there are different types of body cameras and, and you really have the department's obligation is to pick body cameras and equipment uh, that complements, doesn't interfere with the police officer's ability to operate and, of course, bring back valuable, important evidentiary uh, video, uh, but could be attached or that is not easily detached, especially during the course of a struggle, because as part of a normal police officer's career, there, there will be instances where you engage in struggles. But I think uh, the larger issue is far beyond the, even what video is available with the body cameras, and it's a question of whether or not uh, individual citizens now have confidence or trust in uh, local law enforcement, in particular police departments across the nation. Well, of course, and that is a part of why there was this huge push for body cameras. We saw what happened with Eric Garner. It was video taken uh, by bystanders that uh, resulted in that investigation. While it did not turn out the way the family wanted in the end, it gave this view or point of view of what happened. So this police department obviously has body cameras, to your point. And I'm visualizing here, if you're an officer, um, I would imagine that you know, th this camera is secured in the best way. So, you know, this is another issue that is falling along party lines. 
Yeah, oddly enough, it is. And as soon as anything like this happens, that's what occurs, right? People retreat into their corners and they start fighting with a certain list of information that they choose to deem relevant to the case. Which is weird because Republicans are supposed to be so skeptical of government. Oh, right. But they jump right on board. They don't understand that the police department is the government. Right. I have not seen one single conservative talking about this body camera issue. Me. Okay, except for Jesse D. <laughs> who voted for Bernie Sanders, but it's okay. Oh, wow. <laughs> But seriously, yeah. they aren't bringing this issue up. And someone could say, oh, well, you guys aren't talking about his criminal record. Yeah, the guy had a criminal record. Sure. What does that have to do with this present situation in which he was shot in the back in multiple the f- times and in the chest? in the back. When Come he was on. on the ground. He was on the ground. Subdued by two large men. Two other dudes on top of one guy. If you're that bad at your goddamn job that you can't subdue one person with two large bodies that you have to pull your weapon and kill someone, then you're not capable. You're not worthy. You should not be a cop. So this is something that we've we've talked about. And actually, I was told today by someone, they told me, you know, I could never just sit and listen to people's problems all day. They said, I, I couldn't do that. I couldn't be a therapist. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, well, we all have strengths and weaknesses. That's something I really enjoy. I really enjoy being a therapist. I enjoy that work. Right. I wouldn't chalk it up just to sitting there listening to people's problems. That's how other people perceive it. Whatever. <laughs> but these people... It's a fundamental <laughs> misunderstanding of what you do. Yeah, but these people... They're they're recognizing their weakness. They're saying, I wouldn't be able to do this particular job. Right. And for some reason, when it comes to critiquing the police, this is somehow like not an accurate critique to make. Well, that they aren't capable of doing their job. Well, if you don't have certain characteristics. That is right. Then maybe it's not the best job for you. If you can't, if you don't have the emotional regulation to deal with a high-stress situation in a way where you're not murdering people unnecessarily, then maybe it's not the job for you. You don't get to be a cop. Listen, if you have narcolepsy or epilepsy, sorry. Sorry if your life dream is to be a pilot. You don't get to be a pilot. Some jobs, some people just don't get to do. And if you're not able... To handle high-stress situations, like Brittany Page just said, you don't get to be a cop. If you're a 78-pound woman and you can't carry 200 pounds of dead weight, you don't get to be an Army Ranger or a Force Recon Marine. You just don't get to do it because there are certain requirements some physical that you don't get to do. Well, it's the same thing with cops. Well, even if, if you're you don't, if you don't have the temperament, especially the temperament, if you have extreme bias where it relates to race, and you know, here's the other thing. She's interviewing this guy who used was a cop in New York City and all this. He's also black. But let me say, you can make all the excuses you want. All this is is another convenient failure 
on the part of a white police department that has resulted in the death of a black man. Now, of course, we don't know all the details yet. They will come to light over the course of the next few days. But as it is now, it's another dead black dude at the hands of two white dudes who are alive. They get to spend the night with their family tonight while, while getting a paycheck and being on leave because they were involved in an officer involved shooting. Doesn't look good. Not at all. Doesn't look good that it keeps happening. But like you said about the bias issue, I just want to say really quickly that the U.S. Department of Justice announced this week that it will formally integrate findings from psychological science into new training curriculum for more than 28,000 DOJ employees as a way of combating implicit bias among law enforcement agents and prosecutors. The training program began rolling out Monday and is expected to continue through 2016. So they have recognized that well everyone likely has some form of implicit bias right and when i took that test right you can take the test there's a harvard test where they show you like pictures of black kids and they well, don't tell them what they do what don't tell them oh anyway so i took the <laughs> test and i i registered an implicit bias yes it doesn't mean I'm racist. It doesn't mean I have implicit racism. It's just a bias that you're able to cognitively overcome. I don't even know, because I took it a couple times, and every time I took it, it said implicit bias. And I'm a, you know, I'm a lover, everybody. <laughs> but you should. We'll put a link to it on the Facebook page. Yeah, or you can Google implicit bias Harvard, and I'm sure it will pop up. You can take it. But we'll also but put I'll it also on the not Facebook be lazy page. and do it. Okay. <laughs> But so it's good that the DOJ is is doing something to Absolutely. address that. Yeah. So yeah, psychology. All right. Let's move on. But before we do. I'm here again to sell you on our show. And I'm going to be quiet. <laughs> okay. So you can go to patreon.com slash I doubt it with Dollamore and you can give any amount to me and Jesse D as we help move the conversation forward with you guys. You can set any amount you want to 25 cents, 50 cents, 75 cents, a dollar. You get it. You can set a monthly maximum. So you never go over your budget. And we don't want to forget those PayPal donators either because we get a lot of support from PayPal as well. You can go onto the website, dollamore.com. There's a link where you can support the show and it takes you to the PayPal link. That's where you find it. Click on it. You can give us whatever amount you want there as well. It could be a one-time gift or a reoccurring thing. Yes. Important to note. I thought you were going to be quiet. I'm zipping it. And then... Can't forget Amazon. If you shop through our affiliate link, we get some of that money at no cost to you. So whatever you buy on Amazon, make sure you go to dollamore.com, click support the show, click through that Amazon link, and make purchases galore. Thanks. Dollamocracy 2016. Facing down pessimistic politics with realistic optimism. Well, the day has come. FBI Director Comey has come out and announced the FBI's findings and decisions about and, Hillary Clinton. And she's going to be indicted. 
No, she is not. <laughs> so they have, she's not off the hook. I mean, she's off the hook, but she's not off the hook relative to blame and relative to uh, wrongdoing. And public opinion, really. I oh, mean, yeah. the, the Trump supporters and the Bernie supporters, not happy. So they have decided not to indict, not to press criminal charges against her. And I want to go through, CNN did a little thing where they talked briefly about how the FBI reached the decision that they did in the course of the Clinton investigation. I think we should address the question that, uh, that Trump has brought up as whether or not she's being treated differently from the way David Petraeus was, was treated. One of the things that, that is different is the fact that Petraeus admitted uh, in his questioning to the F- by the FBI that he knew that there was information that was classified and that he purposely gave it to his lover, his, his girlfriend, who was also writing a book about him. So that is the big difference here. In this case, uh, Hillary Clinton has said repeatedly that she did not intentionally send or receive classified information. We now know, obviously, that the information was classified, and that's really uh, at the center of how the FBI came to this decision, Wolf. The uh, statement that Donald Trump also made uh, to his campaign Uh, Our adversaries almost certainly have a blackmail file on Hillary Clinton, and this fact alone disqualifies her from service. Uh, He's referring to uh, the suggestion by the uh, FBI director that she even used her private email, her servers, her devices when she was in unfriendly foreign countries, maybe a reference to China or some other country like that, and, and that... Uh, uh, agents there for China or Russia could have hacked into her system while she was in those countries. I I think that's a clear possibility, and the FBI director was very clear about that. I think that is actually one of the more troublesome parts of this, is the fact that she was using these devices that were not very secure, that were not not only not secure, the devices themselves, but also the entire system was not, Wolf. And not only uh, we're talking about adversaries, or, you know, know, Russia and China, the usual countries we talk about, also friendly countries who often hack into the devices of U.S. officials when they're traveling. We know that all along, the FBI had been looking at making this decision and had decided, Comey had decided that he wanted to announce this decision himself, Wolf. We knew, we, you know, there was this discussion initially that there was going to be a joint announcement with the Justice Department. I think after everything we've seen, Comey decided that he had, he'd be the only one who could make this announcement and really, you know, own it, essentially. So, what I find interesting, and I think the audience knows well that I'm no Hillary Clinton fan, that I believe she's been lying this entire time. She's been at the very least misleading the American people with her statements regarding her activity with this private server and her devices and whether or not she did anything different than previous secretaries of state. Well, here's, I mashed together two mashups. <laughs> so this is a mashup of a couple of mashups of the FBI, the results of their investigation, the details that they have found and discovered through rigorous and expensive time spent on the case. It's that versus the things that Hillary Clinton has said in the past directly related to the things that were being investigated. One is from CNN, certainly no enemy of the Clintons, And the other is from Reason.com. 
Enjoy. Although we did not find clear evidence that Secretary Clinton or her colleagues intended to violate laws, there is evidence that they were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. Everything I did was permitted by law and regulation. I had one device. Secretary Clinton used several different servers, and she also used numerous mobile devices to send and to read email on that personal domain. I used uh, a single uh, account for convenience. Obviously, uh, these years later, uh, it doesn't look so convenient. My use of personal email was allowed by the State Department. None of these emails should have been on any kind of unclassified system. And I never sent nor received any information that was classified at the time it was sent and received. I never sent um, classified uh, material on my email, and I never received any uh, that was marked classified. 110 emails in 52 email chains have been determined by the owning agency to contain classified information at the time they were sent or received. What, like with a cloth or something? Well, no. The email software was removed. That didn't remove the email content. The effect was that millions of email fragments ended up in the server's unused or slack space. I didn't have to turn over anything. I chose to turn over 55,000 pages of my emails. This helped us recover work-related emails that were not among the 30,000 that were produced to state. I provided all my emails that could possibly be work-related. Several thousand work-related emails that were not among the group of 30,000 emails returned by Secretary Clinton. I thought using one device would be simpler. She also used numerous mobile devices to send and to read email. There were no security breaches. It is possible that hostile actors gained access to Secretary Clinton's personal email account. It was my practice to communicate with State Department and other government officials on their .gov accounts. Hostile actors gained access to the private commercial email accounts of people with whom Secretary Clinton was in regular contact from her personal account. Um, no doubt that we've done exactly what we should have done. They were extremely careless in their handling of very sensitive, highly classified information. People will be able to judge for themselves. We cannot find a case that would support bringing criminal charges on these facts. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much. To be clear, this is not to suggest that in similar circumstances, a person who engaged in this activity would face no consequences. So take that as you will relative to her not facing criminal prosecution, whether you were a fan and thought she should have, or whether or not I didn't figure she was going to be indicted, so this is no surprise to me. But this does vindicate the opinion I've held this entire time. Should I do? Should I? Should I blow my own horn here? Well, no, because you weren't right. How was I not right? She absolutely was complicit. She did all kinds of things that were wrong, which flew in the face of the claims she's been making for months. And months. Okay, I know. You were right. <laughs> I'm just so sick of you being right. <laughs> it is a bummer. And it is a bummer 
that goddamn Bill Clinton jumped on the plane of Loretta Lynch just a week ago, and then here we are a week later after the meeting, and Hillary is off scot-free. Yep. It just doesn't look good. Whether or not you believe something went down, and I do believe something likely went down. I don't know that there was a, a quid pro quo. I don't know that there was some kind of a payoff. I think that's a little conspiratorial. But it's just not good. It just doesn't look good. All right. Well, let's move on to a little bit of the orange-faced mook, Donald Trump. He has, he has long been having problems about praising dictators. For months, he has praised Kim Jong-un and Vladimir Putin, who is, quote-unquote, a democratically elected official. And he's even said things about Saddam Hussein and praised his work against terrorism. <laughs> Here is something he said this week that he's repeated this week that he said for months on end that is just now starting to get a little traction. Saddam Hussein was a bad guy, right? He was a bad guy, really bad guy. But you know what he did well? He killed terrorists. He did that so good. They didn't read him the rights. They didn't talk. They were a terrorist. It was over. Today, Iraq is Harvard for terrorism. You want to be a terrorist, you go to Iraq. It's like Harvard. Okay? So sad. So what bothers me about this is not that he's an idiot who's showering praise on Saddam Hussein and his war on terror. It's a, it's a little thing. It's when he says, well, he didn't read him their rights. And he says reading them their rights like it's an imposition. Like it's only pussies read rights. Yeah, it's pretty frightening to only, hear. Only pussies follow the Constitution, Brittany. It's, it's terrifying to hear the Republican presidential nominee speak this way. Yes. Who will raise his right hand if elected and swear an oath to support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies foreign and domestic. Well, if he if he's going to pledge that oath, how can we trust if he has such disrespect for the process that he doesn't he believes it's a ah that's what that's a, that's asshole talk to read them their rights. Right, and I know that people think, well well first of all, Donald Trump has been annoyed by the characterization that he's praising Saddam Hussein. Okay. Sure. But the thing is, this is a consistent pattern of him speaking in a positive way about dictators. Right. This must indicate something about what he appreciates and how a government is run, how yeah. a country is run. Absolutely. And I think that's what's scary. It, there should be nothing about Saddam Hussein that he finds admirable, that he wants to replicate in his own administration. Right. It's, it's like saying... Yeah, you know that Hitler. Yeah, you. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah. Hitler was a bad guy, but you know what Hitler really did good? <laughs> he real those troops. They loved him. He really garnered the respect of his troops. Yeah, you, you always see him putting the arm up. Oh, yeah, they loved him. Yeah, Hitler was a he was a strong man. He was powerful. You, yeah, we get it. Uh, what are you doing? 
Yeah. You can save the compliments there, guy. Yes, please do. But I think what he's doing is just speaking to that lowest common denominator, which happens to be his base. Get rid of all these heebie-jobbies they wear. You know, because after all, Donald Trump... I love the poorly educated. He loves his poorly educated, historically poorly educated following. I still love watching that clip on YouTube and just staring at Eric Trump's face and watching the horror. Right. When he said... I love the poorly educated. Yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> you just got to be bummed out when that happens. Yeah. God damn, no shit. All right. Well, the other thing that Donald Trump has done, again, speaking to him, him directly trying to hone in on that particular racist element, white nationalist, white supremacist element of his following... He sent out or retweeted. Well, he tweeted a meme about Hillary Clinton, and it has a picture of her. It says, history made, and it's a picture of Hillary Clinton. Right. Almost like you'd think it was from the Hillary Clinton campaign. Same colors and all. Yeah, but then there's a Star of David. Right. And inside the Star of David, it says, most corrupt candidate ever, exclamation point. Now, Donald Trump received a lot of backlash for this because it's it's a Star of David. It's clearly, if you have the Israeli flag and you've got the Star of David on there, if you just colored in all the lines, that's what this looks like. So there's no lines in there. It's just solid. But it's clearly, clearly the Star of David. Yes. And he is saying that the media is being dishonest here and reporting that the six-pointed star is just a sheriff star. (laughs) Or it could even just be a regular star, he says. Right, right. But you see, a sheriff star is six points, but it has those little... The little knobbies on the end. Yeah, the little dots on each point of the star. You have one of those. Yeah, so we know how to distinguish between different kinds of stars (laughs) there, guy. Well, then, didn't they retract it and sent out another one with a circle on it? Yeah, they changed it to a circle. Right. But the thing is, David Duke is already excited about this. That's what I was going to say. Is It is a dog whistle for that particular element that he is enjoying the support of. Right. So, David Duke, he is the... uh, Former Grand Wizard Dragon or whatever the fuck. Grand Wizard. Of the KKK. Yeah. And he still has whatever media that he uses to spread his racism. Yeah. And he said that he loves this tweet, even though it was deleted, because he welcomes the exposure of, quote, the hidden hand. The hidden hand, which, of course, is his paranoia about Zionism. And everybody's a fucking Zionist. It's the same with these idiots who believe that the Illuminati is a thing. God damn. Yeah, so he, so David Duke, he tweeted the old meme and the new meme, and he said, seems something's changed. That's okay. <laughs> we welcome the hidden hand exposing itself. Hashtag make America great again. Hashtag America first. Hashtag hidden hand. 
So he's taking it as this is kind of a hidden message from Trump that, hey, I'm with you guys. Yeah. That's what he's taking it as. That's right. And it's okay that you changed it because we know it's, that you can't fully expose yourself it. as one of us. It's the old, oh, wink, wink. We get it, buddy. We know you're on our team, but you just can't play the game. Otherwise, you won't get elected. Wink, wink. That's what David Duke is saying. Yeah. Here. Well, I'm sure a lot of these idiots, these white supremacists, these white nationalists who believe that there's some kind of a of a white genocide happening right now through race mixing, these fucking clowns, I'm sure that they largely believe this. All right. Well, let's move on. <laughs> it appears that there is trouble on the home front over at Fox News. I don't watch Fox News, so I didn't know this, but apparently Gretchen Carlson, former Miss Miss USA, Miss America, or just Miss Minnesota. Well, why is it important to talk about her former... Just her background. Well, because it plays here. It plays. It does? Yeah, oh, yeah. Okay. One of the... Well, she's... Well, just say it since Britney's stepping on my proverbial dick. No, it's not proverbial. I really have one, but she's not really stepping on it. Okay, are you also going to like talk about her education and what her degree is? Or are you just going to talk about how she was in a Miss America pageant? She went to Stanford. Okay. Well, she apparently has been fired, and she is alleging sexual harassment against Roger Ailes, the chief executive of Fox News. Well, the reason that I say that she was Miss America or whatever is because she's alleging that at dinner parties... In public, Roger Ailes has said things like, I've had sex with three different Miss Americas. I should have sex with you too. Dear God. Roger Ailes is the closest human facsimile to Jabba the Hutt that we have. He is a grotesque specimen. And this is coming from Jesse D., who's not exactly easy on the eyes, if you know what I mean. You know... Not to interrupt, but one of my <laughs> one of my favorite things that Amy Schumer has ever said is that she overheard some men who were quote unquote physically gargoyles. Physical gargoyles. Discussing whether or not like Sienna Miller or someone was hot. Yeah. yeah and yeah. so it kind of reminded me of what you just said with right. Job of the Hut. Gargoyles. So here's what I want to talk about, because I don't give a fuck what goes on over at Fox News. Well, you're forgetting something. She's also Alleging that Peter Ducey, her former, oh, yeah. right. her former co-host of Fox and Friends, also came on to her all the time. He, he here's and this is that just adds to it. That's perfect. Here's the, what I'm going through right now, and I want to be honest with the audience because I, if you ever encounter what I'm going through, I hope you'll recognize it. It's that I, I don't want to let my disdain for Gretchen Carlson, get in the way of me analyzing this situation without bias. Because I don't want to believe her. I want to believe she's just a fucking liar. Because I don't like her. But I want to give her a fair fair shake. You know what I mean? Well, I would hope so. So I'm, I'm struggling. I, I catch myself like, nah, it's probably bullshit. In my private moments, I, I, I'm catching myself doing that and then having to go, no... That's maybe it's not. Maybe it's not. Does this mean that 
you like Roger Ailes more than you do Gretchen Carlson? I don't know anything about him. But I know her face. I've witnessed her in action. So I really don't like her because I have experience with her. Even be it, you know, through television. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And she is a Christian nutter. And she has said horrible things. And so, ah, you know, you know what I mean? But I, I'm checking myself. And I just wanted to, that's why I wanted to talk about this. I wanted to uh, make the audience aware that if they find themselves in this predicament, to be strong enough, be bold enough to check yourself and try to look at things from an un, the most unbiased position that you can. You know, this is what she said about Peter Ducey. It's Peter, right? The older one? Or Steve? Steve Ducey. Oh, Peter's God. the young one. Oh, okay. you're maligning the character I am. of that nepotism-loving <laughs> little tool. I am. Well, that's kind of aggressive. He's a clown. Okay. Come on. So Steve Ducey is the older one. The correct? larger, taller clown. The skinnier, older clown. Steve Ducey, the one with Brian Kilmeade. Yes. You, guys, you guys watch the show. You know what I'm talking about. <laughs> Okay, so this is what she says about Steve Ducey. Sorry about that, Peter. So Ducey engaged in a pattern and practice of severe and pervasive sexual harassment of Carlson, including, but not limited to, mocking her during commercial breaks, shunning her off air, refusing to engage with her on air, belittling her contributions to the show, and generally attempting to put her in her place by refusing to accept and treat her as an intelligent and insightful journalist rather than a blonde female prop. <laughs> Which seems like most of society. Maybe, but one of the things that really made me question was when they claim in the documents, in the court documents, that it was a demotion for her, for her to get her own show in a daytime slot. That was a demotion. And the fact that she claims Fox News didn't support or promote her new show. So she thinks that they're, they're running a business over there and they're going to set her up to have a failing show and lose money I just, none of that adds up to me. So, well, here's something that doesn't add up to me. Why would Gretchen Carlson, if this is false, bring this case against against Roger Ailes? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, Who I don't has know. the power in that situation? Well, it, when you bring it to court, he doesn't have power in a court. Well, he has especially, more money. Especially not in the Northeast District of, uh, I don't know. I, I, it's going to be a lawyer's wet dream to take this case because it's going to be media coverage that's going to be tons of free advertising for them all right but i don't know i'm not i'm not making a judgment either way i just you're I can, essing I, on my point i can make i can make arguments on both <laughs> sides i have to be careful <laughs> not to stretch open her mouth and take a big fat dump right in it because i don't like her very much i don't i don't understand why i it's aggressive it's aggressive yeah, well i'm kind of an aggressive guy all right all right it's really aggressive let's wrap and not with anything real positive. We're kind of going the other way today. It's the asshole of today. And we have a double feature for you. Both Brian Williams. No, not Brian Williams. <laughs> Both. That was terrible. We are maligning characters 
all over the show. Today. We apologize. We apologize. I love Brian Williams. And Brian, Peter Ducey. And Peter Ducey and his <laughs> stupid haircut. Okay. Brian Fisher. We got this as a listener submission this, from Sean. Yes. Sean from Kansas submitted this. And thank you very much because it's real, real good. Let's start with that. And then we'll move on to the bearded wonder, Phil Robertson, that hateful hick from Louisiana. But let's start, like I said, with Brian Williams. As you well know, June 26th of 2016 was the one year anniversary of the Supreme Court decision which made marriage equality the law of the land. Well, here's Brian Fisher on what I would consider a day really to be celebrated, and he had some choice words. You know, yesterday was the anniversary of the Obergefell decision. This is when the Supreme Court, with absolutely no constitutional, legal, moral, or ethical foundation, imposed homosexual marriage on the entire country. And I said at the time, and I say it again, that day, June 26, 2015, is a date that will live in infamy. Just as the Pearl Harbor date is a date that will live in infamy, so this day in which same-sex marriage was imposed on the United States against the will of the citizens is a date that will live in moral infamy. Uh, So, you know, my contention is that what moral jihadists did on June 26, 2015 what they did to the twin pillars of truth and righteousness, the same thing that the Muslim jihadists did to the World Trade Center on 9-11. So moral jihadists took down the twin pillars of truth and righteousness, just like Muslim jihadists took down the twin towers on 9-11. What a prick. So, not only is he equating... Marriage equality, equal justice, equal rights, as 9-11. God damn. But he's also, he's also claiming that the Supreme Court imposed, imposed gay marriage on him. Yes. He's now, ladies and gentlemen, Brian Fisher is now. Married to a man. He has to be, says the United States government. He is forced to marry a dude, and he's not happy about it. Because his wife, she really loved him. And now he has to cuddle up with a dude every night because gay marriage has been imposed upon him. I mean, could there be a bigger asshole of today? Well, listen, that's the natural way. And even though he has a an, an inherent preference for something else, that inherent preference is wrong. Right. So he's just going to have to live out the entirety of his existence doing in, something he doesn't want to do. In abject unhappiness. Yeah. 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 Well, the other asshole of today is frequent guest on the show, Phil Robertson, the Duck Dynasty dickhead. And he also isn't letting go the marriage equality decision made made by the Supreme Court on June 26, 2015. He still has shit to say about it. When you allow men to determine, as Zach said, what's right and what's wrong, (laughs) you get decisions like the five judges who said 
I mean, I know we have 7,000 years of history of men marrying women, a male and a female. For that reason, they'll leave their father and mother and cleave to one another and become one flesh. I know it's been that way for 7,000 years. Yikes. But we know best for what's everyone. We know best for what's everyone. We know best. We know best. Trust us. We know what we're doing. And now there's grown men barging in on you ladies when you're putting your Maybelline on. Oh, thanks. Yes. That's what I do in the bathroom. Maybelline. Uh, here's a news flash. You see this? He's pointing to his beard. This be male. This be male. Ladies. Ladies. <laughs> all you ladies. Oh, my God. You will never, ever Ooh. catch this cat coming up in your bathroom. What? Ever. I think I might. <laughs> that tone was a little scary. You know why? I'm a man. And men don't go in women's bathrooms. Goddamn. So I love this article, this raw story article, because <laughs> they're talking about how he's he's talking about his beard, right? Right, right. And he says, this be male, he said, clearly not having met a postmenopausal woman. <laughs> <laughs> Should we bring back an old an oldie, but a goodie that we haven't played for probably 150 episodes? I don't know what you're doing, but sure. <laughs> yeah, it might have been a little loud, but uh, I think it's uh, it's apropos here, is it not? Bringing it back for for Phil Robertson. It's only through attrition that we're going to not have to deal with these assholes anymore. And but through attrition, I mean, when he dies, when you're putting your little Maybelline on, <laughs> I won't be coming in your bathroom because that's. What the ladies do. That's what they do. They put on their Maybelline. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's Maybelline. So did he talk about the calendar in this clip? Because I, I don't. Oh, he did. I, I have that. You want me to play it? His his undeniable truth that Jesus Christ is a God. You know, I think I've had enough of it. But um, I, I am getting kind of sick of it's this. It's probably real short. I'm getting kind of sick of this. Well, now you've teased it. We got to play it. Okay. He did come. And ever last one of you seated in here and the rest of America and most of the world, their calendar documents it. It is 2016 years since Jesus showed up, right? Mm -hmm. So don't tell me he wasn't here. By the way, if your calendar is dated on of all the human beings who have ever walked on the earth and your calendar is dedicated and predicated to just one of them? Evidently, something rather large went down <laughs> back then. <laughs> your calendar documents it. Uh, how come we say uh, it's 2016 years? I don't believe in this Jesus stuff. I said, well, you're counting time by him, dude. Face it. Wow. Evidence, folks. Facts. Incontrovertible evidence. You cannot deny 
that Jesus Christ is a god because it's 2016. <laughs> so this is something that is really upsetting to yeah, me. Yeah, you're bothered. I can tell you're bothered. Well, no, listen. That Did you hear the room of people? This is always what bothers me about these these characters, right? Is yeah. the audience that they have. Trump, Trump voters. And the audience reacting to what is being said. I don't understand that. I, are they so enamored with this guy and his beard? I don't understand what's going on when... They're real, real smart, Brittany Page. What happens to valuing accurate information when they are in these auditoriums? Get rid of all these heebie-jobbies they wear. I, I just don't know. It's like <laughs> it's like they're witnessing a speech from Christopher Hitchens. I mean, that yeah, is... Oh, yeah, they are. They are. They think it's... Holy shit, this guy is... An he, intellectual he just, powerhouse. This guy just fucking blew my mind with his calendar argument. Holy shit. Unbelievable. And what I was going to say before you cut me off was the <laughs> the whole it's been this way for so long arguments. Yeah. When yeah. is that going to stop being a thing? I you don't know, know, things have been terrible for a long time for a lot of people that aren't white men. For most people, it's been not great for a long time. So if we could stop having that argument of, well, this is the way things have been. Yeah, well, they're not like that anymore. Right. So things are changing. People have rights now. We understand through science a lot of stuff that we didn't in the 1950s, you bunch of clowns. You know, you're full of the insults today. I know. I'm feeling really good. Where are your articulate, educated rebuttals instead of your mean, mean insults? (laughs) All right. With that, we're going to leave you. We appreciate you tuning <laughs> Nowhere in. Nowhere to be found, you guys. We love you and appreciate every moment that you spend listening to the show, listening to us, banter back and forth, argue back and forth, discuss the hottest topics. I hate hottest topics. What a stupid thing to say. We really do More insults. have a passion for moving the conversation forward, not just a green and a green and a green but tackling the tough stuff. And we we appreciate you joining with us to do that. If you'd like to sound off, talk to us. 657-464-7609. That is our number. You can also email a voice memo from your smartphone to idoubtit at dollamore.com. We are listening. Until next time, for Brittany Page, I'm Jesse Dollamore, and this has been... I doubt. Dan must think that I am a great broadcaster. (laughs) 